Good evening, everyone. You were listening to Love Potions by Christina Jones, and this is Chapter Seven. Saturday evening in the Benson's bungalow was as ritualistic as the rest of the week. In fact, the whole day was organized with almost military precision. In the morning, Marvin washed the car or played nine hole of golf, while Josh shopped for shopping only in hazy hazics. Lunch was at one on the dot and something light on the toast. In the afternoon, Marvin dozed in front of sports channels and George gardened, if the weather was fine, and read, if it was not. And then in evening, well, Saturday evening were the worst of all. George sitting in front of the dressing table mirror, staring wistfully at her reflection, as always hoping that someone sensuous and wanton would smother back at her. Wondered why no one had ever warned her that vowing until death do us part would mean that on Saturdays really really wanted it would be sooner rather than later she and Marvin always did something on Saturday evening it was as much of a ritual as the rest of the day and far less enjoyable. If they went out, it was never to dances or concerts or the theater or the cinema, all of which Josh loved, especially dancing. She wondered why she had told Topsy that she could not dance. Years of denial, probably. Marvin loathed dancing and it simply seemed easier to say she was useless at it. She probably was, now anyway. Use it or lose it, as everyone kept saying. No, there was no Saturday night dancing because they always went out to eat. Usually to supper parties with Marvin's Rotary or cricket club chums or at the golf club in the Winterbrook or to the restaurants recommended by the Sunday supplements which served 
tiny pretty meals with never ever lived up to Josh exceptional or satisfied her apparently unfashionably healthy appetite. Slowly, she fixed her pearl ear studs, pale and safe jewelry to match her pale, safe face and cream silk sweater. Still bland. What would Marvin say? She often wondered. If she shamed downstairs with more makeup than Danny Larry and a flam flamboyant outfit in scarlet and orange, what would Marvin say if she suggested they did something impromptu and daring? What would Marvin say if she told him how she hated Saturday evening more than any other time of the week? Occasionally on Saturday evening, they stayed in and invited people to dinner parties at the bungalow. These were the worst of all. If they could have invited people she knew and felt at home with, it would have been fine. But Marvin had, over the years, actively discouraged Josh friend for visiting the close, and eventually the more determined ones had drift away. So they entertained Marvin's cronies and Josh loathed the bitchy, snobbish, small talk with people she hardly knew, and with whom she had nothing in common. And always felt under pressure to produce the latest designs meals, which would pass master with Marvin's balls and their sneaky-voiced, well-breed wives. Josh had always felt that she was known as a good plain cook. Well, good plain everything, really, and longed to dish up hearty stews and pies and casseroles and steamed puddings. But Marvin would not have any of that. No, she had to sweat over arty forty cookery books and create drizzled things in stack. And remember, if pomegranate or blueberry was the latest culinary aid, at least tonight was not going to be one of them. Although there were going remained as Ever as mystery, Marvin made those decisions. Standing up, straightening her neat tube skirt, 
Josh wished that she was accompanying Valerie Pridmore and her husband to Bellamy Cows for a righteous night of drink, darts, and laughter. Marvin, of course, never set foot in Bamikau, and to be honest, it was a dive. But it was a dive filled with people who were happy with their lot, who enjoyed what they had and didn't spoil the here and now by yearning for the what may be. People who knew how to laugh and sing and have a damn good time. People like Valerie Pridmore and her husband who still made love. Even the Berkeley boys amused her. Marvin, who had never said his ancestor Victorian values, would go all the prime when they were mentioned and call them the Berkeley Bastards. Marvin, who knew foul language was the verbal currency of underclass, always felt he could use the world bastard in its correct contest without the sky falling in. Jocelyn Marvin's voice rang through the bungalow. Are you ready? It's nearly seven. Josh dragged her beach raincoat from the wardrobe. It was still grey and cold and drizzly outside. And slide her feet into her sensible low-heeled coats which she always wore because she always drove on the Saturdays so that Marvin could drink and then walked across the hall into the living room with her usual sense of death row dread. Ready, who are we eating with tonight? Marvin polished and poised for the off and gave her a cursory glance. That shirt looks a bit snug. You could have do with losing a couple of pounds. Oh, we are meeting Simon and Sonia. You like them, don't you? Josh, who always felt she would like Simon and Sonia a lot more if they had to do something interesting like spontaneously combust and said nothing. Old Simon has got the needle because I bit him hollow at the golf last week, Marvin golfed, straightening his cricket club tie. Sonia says I owe her a decent dinner because she had been unbearable to live with ever since. Someone owes me about 30 years worth of decent dinner then, 
Josh thought, as she removed the car keys from their hook by the front door. And where are we eating? Please, please not, please not somewhere minimalist and never with food she didn't recognize. Marvin pushed past her through the door and shivered in the damp onslaught. Damn, chilly tonight. Oh, a chap on the train the other morning said he had had the best meal ever at a little local hostelry. Can't think why we have never tried it before. Josh could. A little local hostelries where, according to Marvin, would were filled with ferro-yobes, chaves, scum, and inbreeds. Not far from, not far for you to drive tonight. Marvin sounded as though he was handing her the moon wrapped in silk. We are going to fiddle sticks to the weasel and bucket. What the hell are you doing down here in the cupboard? Chelsea shrugged at Suki's rear view. And why are you still in your dressing gown? Haven't you showered yet? It's nearly seven o'clock. Oh, Suki, startled by Chelsea's sudden appearance, lift up and cracking her head on the open drawer above her. Ouch! That hurts. Don't laugh. How did you get in? The front door was unlocked. I let myself in. Why the hell are you spring cleaning now? I'm not spring cleaning. I am um, looking for something and I showered ages ago and uh, and uh, good god Siki blinked focused on Chelsea properly for the first time what on earth have you come as I'm a fairy Chelsea her painted face covered in silver glitters, curated and webbing a pink and silver flashing wand at her, above her head. Nice, ain't it? Suki blinked some more. The brief pink net tutu barely covered Chelsea's brief pink knickers. And the white satin bodic looked suspiciously like somewhere from a parent's shop. The pink fishnet ties and ballet pumps were, well, odd. But the most amazing thing was the 
Fluffy flashing candy floors pink tiara sitting atop of Chelsea's variegated hair. You didn't walk through the village like that. Suki giggled. Please tell me you didn't. Nah, it's far too cold. Dad dropped me off. He will be back to pick us up in 15 minutes and take us to Fiddlesticks. We will have to get a taxi back, um, mind. I don't suppose the love god is here, is he? Who? Dairy Cabana, of course, Chelsea phoned, her tiara winking and blinking. I would love to flash me warned at him. <laughs> sad. Suki grinned. So sad. No, he is not here. Neither is Mila, so he would not even be dropping in to collect her. You will have to go and do your fairy vamp act on someone else tonight. Vlogger Chelsea said good-naturedly, as the pub is going to be filled with women, it all will go to waste. We could always hang around for a bit and see if Derry turns up, I suppose. No, we could not. Suki thought Derry Kavna had laughed at her once. He would never get the chance to do it again. Oh, I doubt it if Mila will bring him back here anytime soon. She has probably got him shagged up in some five-star Badur, as we speak. Lucky cow. Chelsea sighed. Oh well, in that case, you better go and get a move on before dad arrives. Yours is in one of these carry bags. Me what? Outfit. Fairy stuff. I am not dressing up. You bloody well are. We are. It's what Fern wanted and it's her hen night, so you have to. Now go and do your slap and get dressed. I'll look for whatever it was you have lost in that cupboard. No. Suki shook her head. No way. Was she dressing up? And definitely no way she was telling Chelsea that she had spent the last hours of driving herself crazy thinking about Topsy's ill-timed revelations and subsequently scoring Pixie's laughter for Cora's allegedly non-existent love potion recipes. I am not wearing a pink t-shirt with my jeans and a bit of body glitter. You're not. Everyone is dressing up. You are wearing this, Chelsea. Thirst, a big shovel carry your bag towards Suki, same as me. Roland made them specifically. 
Would that be Roland of Bagley come russet? Couture to the stars. A Roland of hazy hazics. Chelsea sighed. You know Ronnie, the old one with one of Mitzi's blessing baby boomers, who Topsy got to make our can-can dancers. He's great on so beach outfits. Loves the glitz and sequins. You can pay me later. Siki peered into the carrier bag. And this is the same as yours, isn't it? Is it? Chelsea. This is exactly what it is. We all look like twins. I will look like a fat tart. And as my looks leg look as my legs look like raw sausage at the time of the year, pink fishnet will really look good in them. Duh Chelsea struck pose. Want over her head. And what does Topsy always say about fishnet? May Make sure you're wearing a pair of tan thighs or stocking underneath. Gels and the fishnets will work wonders on any leg. Suki giggled again. Yeah, well, maybe she was right about that, but I'm still not being seen in this, in the public for rest of it. Oh, of course you bloody are, Chelsea shrugged, shooky towards the twisty staircase. Go, get rest. And you have to remember... <clears throat> Fern's present. Haven't you? <clears throat> yes, the bottles are on the hall table. If you grab them while I am upstairs, put them with yours. I won't forget them, but... See squinted at the fairy outfit. I'm really not sure about this. Blimey, Zooks. It is no more revealing than the cancaner dress. They are all basque and suspenders and stockings and petticoat and stuff. You don't have to mind that, do you? Oh, that's different. Well, it was. Suki denied as she marched upstairs, clutching the big shower bag, as they had so far cancanned and only to various audience in the care homes and schools with Roni's interpretation of the Mulinro costume seemed glamorous and exciting and well appreciated. Suki had never thought of it as arousing in any way, whereas this skimpy fairy stuff she shook the big shower bag was down, downright inflammatory. 
still. She thought as she grabbed her can of glitter spray. As Chelsea had pointed out, at least the Wiesland bucket would be a man-free zone tonight. It would be full of ferns fairies and no one would be ever slightly interested in her curves spilling out of the costume that really belonged in the mixed infant Christmas play, would they? The whistle in the pocket was everything in the Baumi cow, was not. George thought, looking around in the delight at the highly poised and polished surface. The twinkly brasses, the original low black beams and the cracking log fire. A real country pub, cozy, friendly, warm, and for a Saturday night evening, surprisingly empty. Oh, isn't it lovely? Josh turned to Marvin in delight. Why on earth have you never been here before? You know my feelings on local pub. Marvin was already powering his way to the far end of the whistle and bucket's long bar. Although this one appears possible at least, and I am always wary of this village. You know what goes on here, don't you? Josh did. Fiddlesticks believed in astral magic. They had the wildest outdoor parties because the villagers believed that the moon and the stars controlled their destiny well. They probably did not believe these days, of course, but they still held the parties. Josh thought it was wonderful. Marvin naturally did not. Look, old Simon and Sonia had bidden us to it. Trust them to have bagged a table by the fire. Marvin was rubbing his hands together. It was really irritating. Josh always longed to add superglue to his atrixo. You would better get the drinks in then. Josh stared at his retreating tweet jacketed back. Drinks for all of them. What on earth? Did Simon and Sonia drink? Could she remember? Did it matter? Did she care? Uh, a large glass of dry white, please. She smiled at the elderly woman behind the bar and a large spritzer for me, please. And a refill of whatever they... Uh, Josh mentioned towards Sonia and Simon at the fireside table are having thank you they're having the same as you the old woman told her except they didn't say please and thank you Josh smiled in sympathy they would not it's very quiet in here tonight 
The woman paused and pouring the wine. Lou, before the storm, there's a handmade booked. We are just refill the bar staff for the evening because the landlord and his girlfriend are getting married. He has gone off to Blackpool with the lads, but she is having here hers do here. A pink Ferris is the theme. Apparently, she's a lovely girl. Young Fern, but very like she ain't. It will be Badlam later. You will mark my word. Josh smiled and denied a hand night. Not only would that drive Marvin completely insane, it would liven her up Saturday evening no end. Maybe I would better take a few bottles of wine and some soda then. It's going to be crowded later. Good thinking. I will get you a big bucket. The barmaid chuckled. Not to drink out of mine, dear. Just to keep your... Chardonnay cool. Josh chuckled back, pushing away the superb mental picture of Marvin splurring from a bucket, took the wine and the ice bucket, arranged the glasses on the tray and paid. Lovely, thanks. Oh, we're planning on eating here tonight, so did the other couple ask for menu? No, it would not have muttered if they had. Timmy Polkrose does a super spread usually, but like I said, we are only refill for this weekend. I only do the basics, so if you want to eat there, you will have to order early because of the party. And it's steak, sightened kidney pie, or my special stew. Either beef or veggie with herb dumpling and there is just spotted dick and custard for the bud. Josh could have captured on the spot this was getting better and better. That sounds perfect. I'll go and let the others know and be back in a second. Carefully carrying the loaded tray, Josh made her way to the fireside table. Marvin did not even look up. Sonia and Simon, Jim honed and next dressed, skimmed full smile in her direction and didn't ask thank you for their drinks. They were clearly deep in conversation with Marvin about the delights on the extensive menu arrayed on the blackboard around the pub's nobly walls. Um, Josh sat down. There is no point in choosing from there. 
The landlord isn't. They stopped talking for a moment and looked at her if she were as if she were some irritating insect and continued Marv. Sonia tittered. Marv Marv She makes you sound like some ancient soul singer. Goodness, Simon, would you want an instant divorce if I call you? Sorry. If it only were that simple. Joss thought viciously. Jocelyn knows that I loathe being called Marv. Growled. She must have forgotten. Josh took a deep breath and ignoring Marvin's thunderous expression, it was his purple one with little clustering neck veins. The lady behind the bar has just said she only has a reduced menu tonight. She reeled off the delights. Damn, typical, school dinners thought. Marvin sniffed. Well, I don't know about you two, but I thought we go somewhere else. Simon and Sonia exchanged a look for a long time. Josh was pretty sure she would kill all of them if they wanted to make more to some floss rustic eatery. I don't know, it might be fun in a restro some of way Simon said it it with an airy desperate chilody. It's years since I had a decent steak and kidney pie. Old Sonia is a bit of a demon on the low fat Malkri. Sonia winced and looked as she was just about to list the amount of saturated fat and cholesterol inducers and the pastry, and not to mention the statistical likelihood of heart attack caused by the trans fat in the dumplings. Whatever you think, Simon, she said, inverting her lips, but did not come to me for sympathy if you are up all night with raging indigestion. Marvin, still looking mauve, nodded slowly, probably inedible after all. Who eats all sort of things these days? Pastry? For heaven's sake. But still, you are willing to take the risk. They were staying? Yes! Joss had a little moment of mental elation. Then taking a glump of her spitzer, she stood up. So, everyone for the steak and kidney and four spots and dicks? Lovely, I'll go and order. Steady on. What's the rush, Marvin friend? You are being very bossy tonight, old girl. I'm starving, Josh said happily knowing they would have to move their food on the table before the night started. Marvin was far too tired to leave the food untouched when it had been paid for, but she knew she that he would 
be out of the weasel and buckets like a grizzle gannet if he got the wind of the upcoming party she could she thought as she hurried back at the bar even forgive him for calling her old girl it was worth to be able to watch him become apoplectic earlier the food here shaped platter various journeys of fresh vegetables which looked as if they were had someone else's garden rather than the local cash and carry arrived remarkably swiftly josh piled her plates with carrot and purple sprout noticed that simon was already wolfing back his pie crust like a man desperate for car fix i say what's going on over there sonia pipped up through a chunky mouthful what are all those old ladies doing josh kept her eyes on the plate she has seen the twinkly banners and dozens of pink balloons and sparkly tinsel steamers stacked behind the bar when she had ordered the food everyone else stared across the pub to where a clutch of less than young ladies were scrambling on the chairs and the small step ladders fixing the decoration oh simon look isn't that the gwenethy wilkins and that huge woman she's friend with Sonia's voice was still muffled up by the mouth filled of forbidden delight. I don't know something. It is. We have seen them at our Simon's Sleeman's Slender Salsa class in Winterbrook, haven't we? Fit for their age, of course, but both very strange old ladies. The dance and panel velvet cat suit and plain soles and they are there are those motion women the undertakers thank the lord they have not brought their weird brothers goodness gracious and the cantankers old mona shop from the village shop here simon added taking the opportunity to reach across for more gravy mopping bread what on earth are they doing what are they all dressed up like barbara hartland josh dared to look at them and then tried not to hoot with laughter the more senior henlighters had chosen very degrees of Florent pink tulay, feather balls and glittery pink headgear. They look like Billy and Freda Watkins formation ballroom team gone mad. What on earth going on here? Marvin asked. Josh was delighted to notice he had purple sprouts broccoli cut in his teeth. I think it must have been some sort of party, Sonia clearly forgetting that she never touched steak and kidney pie, had cleared her plate and 
Squinting across the pump, what do the banners say? Happy hand night? Congratulations to Fern and Timmy? Goodness me, I think we may have clashed with a bit of a do. In that case, we are definitely leaving, Marvin snorted. We certainly do not want to get involved with any village going-ons, do we? But we had not had our spotted dicks yet, Simon said, plentifully. And the barmaid is just bringing them over. You have paid for them and all of those drinks, Josh added, saying thank you for all of them, for four huge steak bells, steaming bowls placed on the table. Um, is the party about to start? Yep. A young fern is just coming down the stairs in her regular regalia, so come down has started, woman beamed. That's why I thought I would better get your parts dished up. You would not be able to move in a minute, and here we go. Like the first day of the Harrods sale, the whistle and the bucket's door flew open and a tiddle wave torrent of pink sparkling woman poured in. Filling the pub with wands and wings, the noise was incredible. With a further huge roar and a blast of Dixie's cup, going to the chapel from the junk box, which clearly had nothing much prior to 1985 in its musical selection, foreign the bride-to-be, if the skin Tied skimpy pink bridal outfit, an adjoining L plate was anything to go by, schemed out from the behind the bar on the slit heeled. Bugger me! Simon spluttered through a mouthful of spotted dick and custard. Look at the tits on that! And this is it for the chapter 7. For everyone who were wondering how your day has been, and for everyone who thinks they might need to receive a message or call, please don't be bothered. I know this is a challenging situation to expect somebody else's call and message. Because just in case nobody has told you, please do hold on to your dear self and to the ones, those who respect you and understand you. Do look out for your feelings and do look out for the ones you love, especially for your partner. All those distance that will not be covered from a message or a call can only be covered by your heart's spontaneous love. Good night everyone.